Good morning, everybody. <laughs> uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. Okay, so let's. <laughs> you want to get your notes out? Uh, we're going to wrap up this sermon series. Uh, uh, what are we doing the next sermon series on? I'm doing a sermon series next week. I'll start it next week called Bless This Mess. We're going to be talking about families for a while. And, and so I'm going to start that off uh, next week. We're having that wing fling. I hope you're planning to bring some wings and some friends as well. A wingman, uh, that'd be great. Uh, but uh, that's going to start next week. But we're going to wrap it up today on this series on faith. I hope you've been encouraged by this. I have. Been learned a lot about uh, what eyes do I tend to look through. Hope you have too. There's two words that summarize the message of Jesus. And these two words are simply come and go. When you look at what Jesus talks about, he talks about a lot. You'll see this word over and over, these two words, come and go. Let me give you an example here up on the screen and in your notes. It says, come to me, all you are struggling and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's saying if you're tired, if you're worn out, you're hurt, you're, you're weak, uh, you're, you're bothered, you're angry, you're burdened, you're stressed out. He says, you come to me. He says, come to me. Now, when you come to him, uh, when you come to Jesus and you decide to follow him, he is going to do two things. He's going to save you. He's going to restore you. He's going to change you. And to those, he says, go. He says to go. Look at these two passages here. This woman who just washed Jesus' feet with her own tears. He says to her in Luke 7, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And here to a leper, he says in Luke 17, get up and go. After he came back and thanked Jesus, he says, get up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, what do we understand about this as we've been looking at this whole series? We've learned a lot of things about faith. We've learned to look through these eyes. We've learned to uh, look at opportunities. We've learned to follow, to wait, all these things. But there's something about living by faith I want you to know this morning. And that is this, that living by faith is a journey of faith. Would you agree with that? Your faith is going to take you somewhere. In fact, your faith is taking you somewhere right now. There's examples of this in the Bible of people who, by faith, were called to go and they went. They didn't say no when called to go. There's people like Abraham. If you remember, I tell you that I remember reading this passage uh, and it was shown to me for the first time. When I was bothered about something, I said, you know, I just feel like I don't know what's going on around here. And they went to this passage in Hebrews that shocked about Abraham, who says he, when God called him to go, he went, though he did not know where he was going. <laughs> and I thought, really? Is that got to be in the Bible? You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like the wind that blows here and there, and nobody knows where it's going. So if you feel like sometimes, where are we going? You're in good company, okay? It's within the will of God. It, what's important is when God says go, you refuse to say no as a servant. See, Moses, you know, he was told you know, when he when he come to God uh, before him in a burning bush, he was told, go back to Egypt and bring my people and deliver them. And Moses did exactly that. Gideon, a farmer uh, during the during a time when the people of Israel were being harassed by the Midianites, God says, you're a mighty warrior. And Gideon says, uh, I feel like I'm the run of the bunch. How can you call me a mighty warrior? And he says, listen, Gideon, I want you to go and deliver the people of Israel from Midian, from Midian. 
And then, and then you've got the Israelites, of course. They were told to go into the promised land. And we know what happened to them when they refused, right? When they said no, they had to do one of little roundabouts for 40 years. That's all. And then when they came back, oh, they said yes this time. They didn't refuse because they'd learned their lesson. So there's lots of examples. And what I, I get from all these people and, and all these things in the, in the scriptures about, about this living by faith as a journey, I get this, that my faith determines where I go, when I go, and how far I'll go. Look at the Bible says here, Jesus said this to some frustrated parents, according to your faith, it will be done to you. Now, what's that tell me? That tells me that if your faith is stagnant, you're stuck. If your faith is stagnant, it's not growing, and it's stopped, guess what? You're going to go nowhere in life. Nowhere in the kingdom. But if you nourish it, if you nourish your faith, if you stretch this faith, if you take one foot and put it in front of the other, and the Bible calls walking by faith, if you'll do that, God will first of all save you, He will change you, and He will take you places that you never have been before. You ever said this before? How did I end up here? Sometimes that's not a bad thing. Sometimes God would go, how did I end up here? And he'll go, you followed me, Tim, and I got you here. There's people in the Bible that they go, I don't know how I got here, but man, it's awesome. And so I hope that this morning that we learn some things about God wants to take us someplace, but we've got to be willing to go. And if you're willing to go, he'll take you somewhere never dreamed possible. Look what Jesus promises here in John 10. He goes, I'm the gate. He's talking about being a shepherd. And we know that being a gate as a shepherd means he literally laid across the entrance of this little place where sheep would go in a pen and he would lay at the entrance to keep the wolves out and keep the sheep from getting out and getting into mischief, getting into trouble. He says, I'm the gate. And look what he says here. Those who come in through me will be saved. Wherever they go, they'll find green pastures. He promises, you're going to come to me and you're going to go for me. And when you go, I promise you're going to have green pastures. You're going to, you're going to be blessed when you go in faith. What's it mean to go in faith? What's it mean? Where do you go in faith? And how do you go in faith? Let me give you a few thoughts this morning as we wrap up this series. First, I think it, what it's about, it's about going where God wants. And the first thing is, God wants me to go to Him for help. Yes, that's where it starts. I go to God for help. Look at what it says in Ephesians 3 here. We can go to God with bold confidence through faith in Christ. Because of faith, I can go, I can go and approach God with, it says bold confidence, radical confidence, incredible confidence, strong assurance and confidence. What I get from this is that God is not some miser that's going to give me bits and pieces of blessing. When you go to God for help, He's going to give you everything He has and anything He has to help you. Now, how do I know this? I know this because He gave His one and only Son. He, he gave the ultimate sacrifice to help me, to help you. And that's how you can know that. And if God is willing to do something like that, He will help you when you go to Him for help. I don't know where you go when you're afraid, when you're worried. Where do you go when you're hurt? 
Where do you go when you're just angry and bitter? Where do you go? Where do you go when you're confused? Where do you go when you're tired? Some people go to the doctor. Nothing really wrong with that. Sometimes you go to a therapist. Nothing really wrong with that either. Some people hit the liquor store. Some people fire up the computer. Where do you go? The Bible says, go to God. Go to God for that help. Because He will bless you and He will help you. Look what the Bible says. Those who go to the Lord for help will have every good thing. You're never disappointed when you go to God. What that tells me is He's going to give me everything I need. So if I need assurance when I have doubts, He'll supply that. He'll give me courage when I'm afraid. He'll give me, he'll, he'll give me protection when I'm under attack. He'll give me love when I'm lonely. And if I go to God for help, I can find comfort when I'm broken, healing when I'm hurting. I find wisdom and insight when I don't know what to do, when I'm confused. And He supplies strength, like the Bible says, like the wings of an eagle. He supplies strength when I'm tired and I don't know if I can do any more. Go another step. And He gives me... Listen to this. This is one that personally speaks to me. God gives me... When I go to Him, I find confidence and calmness when I'm worried. When I'm worried. I love this passage in Psalms 34. No one who runs to Him loses out. That's a promise. Promise to you, man. Isn't that awesome? So that's the first, first thing that my faith should take me is to go to God for help. second thing is God wants me to go with others to and for support. I just want to mention that. It's to support and for support. You know anybody who likes to do things by themselves? Don't look at them. Stop looking at me. You know anybody that loves? I did that by myself. I didn't have any help. I don't know what that's... What are they proving? You know, because the Bible says it's really dumb to do that. What do we prove when we do that? We prove we're prideful. And we also prove it doesn't work. Because there are just some things you can't do without help. Some things that... Yeah, there's some things you can do by yourself. But there's a lot of things you can't do without the help of others. I got to thinking just about everywhere I go, I need help to get there. When I was going to Arizona um, to see my mom, uh, I had to have somebody help me book a flight. So I called Cheapo Flights. I knew I was in trouble. Cheapo Flights. It was cheap. And I found out why. I didn't get to choose my seat and it was always near the back of the plane. Danny says, that's good, because if it crashes, you can see everybody else going down. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't want to know this stuff. I need help to get from... Denise is in Mount Carmel this morning. She, or she's headed that way. She's going to a uh, bridal shower for Emily. And she didn't know about the 64 construction on 255. What do I do? What do I do? Get your GPS out. And I don't have my GPS on, so I get the 
She needs help. You need help. Guys, there's some things you just can't do without the help of other people. There's some things that are too heavy, too difficult. And God supplies. He wants us to go get help. Let me ask you a question. If you, let's say you were, uh, I was reading an article, uh, by the way, I got the question from this little article I was reading, and it said if you were uh, to, let's say you were going on a quest, and at the end of the quest you would have $10 million, but you need to take some people with you, who would you take? Now you don't know what you're going to run into. You don't know what to expect. I got to thinking, who would I take? Because maybe it involves what Seth was going through. A lot of hiking. And I'm going to take Richard. I better take Richard along. You know? Take somebody that knows how to camp. I, you know, Should I take my brother? He, he, he knows how to take care of himself out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, or, what, or are we going to be in the city? Should I get somebody that has some savvy, savvy, you know, city expertise or what? I mean, it makes you choose carefully. You're not going to take just anybody, right? Well, think about this journey of faith because it's much more valuable than $10 million. Who you do you take with you on this journey? What's the team of people you're going to put yourself around? It really matters. I thought this was an interesting article because it starts off by simply asking two questions. One, what's the highest, you've ever, the best you've ever felt, the happiest you've ever felt? On a scale of 1 to 10, you know, let's say it's an 11. And the lowest you've ever felt, scale of 1 to 10, let's say it's a minus 20. And it says, now, was a person involved in that either way? And the answer is probably, yeah, yes, right? Then it says, in the last five years, can you name five friends you have, you have created or made in the last five years? And this person said, usually the first question is yes, and the second question is no. That a lot of people don't have or haven't created or haven't developed five good, solid friendships. There's a study by Harvard, a Harvard study, an 80-year-old study. Can you believe this? They've been tracking this for 80 years. And they discovered that the kind of friends you make is very important when you get into your 50s. That they found out that the, the health of a person in their 80s is not determined by their cholesterol level or their diet or exercise. It's by the friendships they have. It's an 80-year-old study, folks. By the time you reach 50, do you have, some of you here past your, in your 50s, do you have some tight, close friends? Mike uh, Kiffmeyer gave me a study, an article years ago, that said the average American has like a half of a friend or two-thirds of a friend. I don't even know how you do that. Two-thirds of a person? Well, I've got lots of friendships, but do I have good friendships and by the way these aren't the, the friendships you and I have aren't chosen uh, you have to go after them I've heard the silent killer of of good relationships is complacency you have to go develop friendships they don't just come to you I know when we were in kids in school we made friends on the playground or maybe made some friends when we got older at work that's most how most people do that but there comes a time when you have to develop those friendships because people move, people die. You see what I'm saying? You, you have to go out and find those good friendships. That's why we need a good church. 
That's why you, you want Greater Alton to be a good church. That's why you want to be a part of a small group, a good small group. I don't, you know, I like the pie. I like the food. Man does not live by pie alone. I need support. And by the way, my wife reminded me on her way to Mount Carmel. You know, you need to make sure you say and give support. Yes, my love. She's right. Because a lot of times we're into this gimme, 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 gimme. What am I going to get out of group? What am I going to get out of church? What am I going to get out of this? What do I get? And we don't even think about. And by the way, that is a immature view. Because as you get older, you realize it's about giving. When Jesus said it's more blessed to give and receive. Ah, now I know what you mean in Jesus. By the way, it was a man that said that, not a kid. No, I, I, I need not just God's help, but I need the support of other people. And I need to be a person that gives the support to other people. Look what it says here in Ecclesiastes. I love the way the message says it. It's better to have a partner than go at it alone. Even Jesus had people he tapped into and he also supported when they got discouraged. It was a give and take is what I'm saying. He sent his disciples out by twos. He partnered them together. Why? Because there's something powerful about teamwork. The power of one helping the other. And it goes both ways. You got a team like that? I'll ask people sometimes. I'll say, do you have people like that? And they'll say, oh yeah, I got people like that. Oh wait a minute, I need to rephrase that. I'm not asking if you've got friends that you can whine to and they'll whine with you. Hello! I'm not asking that you have friends that you can say anything you want. Well, you let your guard down. You say something ridiculous and they, and they let you get away with it and they don't even say a word. They look the other way. That's not a friendship. No, is there somebody in your life, you, a pool, a team of people that you look you in the eye and you can look them in the eye and you can speak into each other's lives. You're welcomed to speak into each other's lives. And by the way, and what you talk about is not just sports. Man, St. Louis. Come, come, man. We're doing it. We're doing it. You know, we got a team. You say, what are you talking about? XFL, man. You know, I, I love, I love football. I love baseball. I love, and I'll talk about that stuff. I also love to complain. I can whine just with it. I can out complain and whine anybody in this room. I know some of you think you could do it better. You not sneak that hand up, will you? No, you're compl- no. I understand, but I'll tell you, where's the spiritual dialogue? Where's the spiritual discussions? Because that's where the rich stuff is. That's the good pasture. Everything else is just junk food. And there's okay to talk about that stuff. I will talk about it at lunch today. We'll talk about whatever and. But where's the spiritual dialogue in your life? Do you have a relationship where people are bringing up the best in you and helping you grow? Look what it says here in Philippians 1. I love it. It says there, Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. 
Would you find, do you find that challenging? I find that hard. To honor God, the message of Christ, to honor the gospel, to honor Jesus. He says, make sure, be sure. Then whether I come and visit you or, or am away from you, I will hear good things about you. I will hear that you continue strong with one purpose and that you work together as a team for the faith of the good news. You see, I need support. You need support. We need each other. Doesn't that say that in 1 Corinthians 12? I, I, that the body parts can't say I don't need you. We need each other. We give support. We get support. Look at this. It says here in Proverbs uh, 15, plans go wrong with too few counselors, but many counselors bring success. Success to who? For me and for others. There's times when I have counsel brought into my life from someone else and there's times I give that counsel. But see, this isn't something that just happens, folks. We've got to do this on purpose. We've got to do this on purpose. I want to ask you, are you choosing... Here's a question I got. Are you choosing people that will help you grow? You know, there's another question. Are you choosing people to help them grow? Because redemptive, supportive relationships do not happen. Like I said before, complacency is the silent killer of, of good, solid, strong relationships. I was reading this article and it said something about when you choose people, when you choose somebody, you need to choose character over charisma. You know, when you're a little kid, remember, we always ran to the popular people. And sometimes we never outgrow that. Huh? And I thought to myself, uh, as we, as, uh, not only do I need to choose character over charisma, I need to be a person of character and not so much about charisma. So when people choose me, they get something good besides a bunch of fluff. People of charisma, what they tend to do is, they're there as long as it's a blast, but when things subside, they're gone. You never hear from them again. I need to choose people. Listen, when you're choosing a good friend to help you and to give support and get support, they need to be somebody that will choose you back. Jesus called His disciples, it says in Mark 1, to Him, and they came to Him. Paul and Timothy chose each other. I know some of us here, we've been trying to choose this person we want to help or, or try to get help from, and they don't choose us back. Guess what? Quit wasting your time. Quit wasting your time. Let me ask you a question. Would you, would you think about the people you're spending time with? Would you pay money for it? The answer is yes. Yes, you would. You say, how do you, what are you talking about? Because you pay with something much more valuable than money. What is it? Time. Time. Would you, I, the article says something about, would you pay $200? Just one time I was sitting there talking to somebody and thinking, would I pay $200 to sit here with this person? You say, too, that's funny. Well, let me ask you this. Aren't there family members you have that you would pay any price to be with? You'd empty yourself to be with them. And he says, you don't, and she really puts it out. Don't waste your time on people that don't choose you. 
If they won't respond to you, that's their problem, not yours. Now, you want to be a person. If somebody's trying to listen, I know I'm speaking to two people here. I'm talking to some some of you here who somebody's been trying to work in your life and you won't choose them. Maybe you should because they could help you. If they're toxic, of course not. But if they're trying to help you grow in Christ, why won't you choose them? And there's some of you here who won't choose somebody to work with. That need your unique circumstances and experiences. Look at this here on the screen. I think I've got some lists. Here's a list. There's some good teams in the Bible. Here's why I want you to think about it like this. First guy I think is Moses. Am I right? Look at all the people around Moses. Of course we know about Aaron. Moses and Aaron, they're brothers. You know, then there's Her. What a name. Her. It was a guy, by the way. Joshua. Jethro was his father-in-law. These are some people that when you read about Moses and you do Moses and, and you find out these are the people that were around him a lot. He had a team of people. Another fellow was David. Look at David. He had Samuel, older fella. There's something. Listen, I want to tell you something. Those of you younger, I, I met Vernon Matthews when I was in my 50s. Well, I turned 50. I was in my 40s, late 40s. He was 30, almost 30 years older than me. One of the best relationships I've ever had in my life. I learned so much from Vernon. There's something about an older fella. Samuel is much older than David. And notice Jonathan, about the same age. Jeshobeam, or whatever, Joshobeam, whatever his name is there. That's one of the mighty men. You probably want to pronounce that name right when you were with him or else he'd beat you up, you know. And then there's Eleazar. That's one, that's a, one of the, of the three mighty men. Those two guys there. I was noticing that in scripture. And what I notice in these, in this, in this, in this, uh, scenario here, these, these relationships, there were times when God told Moses says, I can't talk. I can't talk. And God gets upset with him. He said, well, look, I'll send your brother Aaron with you. He'll help you know what to say. In fact, he's coming right now and he will be glad to see you. And so you got Aaron helping Moses and not just Moses helping everybody. Her was one of the guys that held up Moses' arms when Joshua was fighting. You remember that story? You got Joshua who was, was with Moses since he was knee high, a little kid. And they help one another. David and Samuel, David and Jonathan, all these guys were helping, helping each other. It wasn't just a one-way street. It wasn't like Moses is around these guys to help them better and that's it. No, they, they helped him be better. And with many advisors, many counselors, your plans succeed is what the Bible says. And we see examples of this. I got. You, I, let me give you a, another example. Paul and Barnabas. We all know about Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas was a son of encouragement. Barnabas went and found Paul and Paul was down in the dumps, didn't know what was going to happen. Barnabas got him out of out of his hometown and said, come on, let's go. you gotta, you got to stop being down in the dumps. God wants to use you. And then you've got the quadruple T groups, I guess, out of the T men. I call them Timothy, Titus, Trophimus, and Tychicus. And all these T guys, you know. And he was discipling them and they were helping him. And they were, there's a back and forth. Got another group I want you to think about. That's this group.
Think about that group. Because you and I need help. We need lots of help. And it's, and by the way, somebody else needs your help. God wants us to go to get support and give support to people. Who are they? Who needs your support? Who gives you support? See, that's why we need a, guys, that's why we need a church, a strong church, not just a bunch of people in a building, but in lives of one another. That's what fellowship is. It's sharing life together, not just another meeting and another meeting and another meeting. Somebody goes, how come we don't have Wednesday nights? How come we don't? I mean, I know churches that have stuff going on at their building every night. Okay. Can I say, I think God wants us involved in each other's lives every day. Do you need a class to do that? Is that how we meet? Is that life involvement? I mean, if I go to the hospital, do we have class at the hospital so I can be there? Where does, where does this class mentality come from? It's a, it's a tradition. A holy cow. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. We have classes. I'm saying there's more to it than just meeting for an hour or so together and then we never see each other again. God wants more than that. Why? Because together we accomplish more. Someone said this, that you and I are the average of the five people in our lives. That you're the average of the five people closest to you. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians. So encourage each other and help each other grow strong in the faith. Notice it says each other. There's a getting and a giving. So God says, I want you to go to me for help. I want your faith to cause that. But I want you to know what I expect in my, in my family. I want you to go to each other. Give and get from one another. Help each other. Number three, God wants me to go on to maturity. I love this Hebrew 6 here in the way this translation says it. Therefore, leaving behind the initial lessons about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity. Have you ever thought about, ever had this cross your mind? Oh, I just love to be a kid again. And why do we do that? Oh, there were no responsibilities. There was no problems. Really? Oh, there was, I could just play. Really? I kind of like being an adult. I can get in a car and drive somewhere. You know, walk around in my underwear if I want to. Do what I want sometimes. So does somebody always tell me what to do? I don't know if I told you this, but I was with my mother uh, this, like say, last week, and we're and she starts telling me what to do. She's eighty-eight. I look at her and I go, first time, I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. I said, Mom, I'm 62. Stop telling me what to do. From the middle son, I thought you were my favorite. I said, well, Mom, it's just like, I know how to make a pancake. I think I do. Are you, and she goes, are you serious? 
And I go, are you serious? She goes, yeah. (laughs) I go, then I am too. No, I'm just simply saying, you know, uh, I kind of like being an adult. I mean, I have thought about the idea, oh, it'd be nice to be a kid again. I know some people, though, that that have stayed a kid. And it's like they, they, they're afraid to grow. They're afraid of the responsibility. Or, or they get into the responsibility. They, they get into some things that, that grown-ups get into. And they suffer because they've wasted so much time playing. That they're still too small to do anything. They're not big enough, is what we would say. They're not mature enough. I want you to know this morning, God does not want you immature. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to grow. Why? Because every parent, every parent, and he's the same, wants to see their kids grow. Look at you, you're going to be so big, we say when they're little bitty. You're so big. Look at you, look at that belly growing. You're growing up. I've got two five-year-old grandchildren and Nora reminded me the other day, you know I'm five. <laughs> okay. And she, she, it's funny, when you see a five-year-old, you, I already am looking at her, seeing her, thinking 10 years from now I'll be 72. I want to get there, you know. And she'll be 15. Oh, I want to see that. Now, why, why is it so important that you and I grow? Why is it so important we mature? Why does God want us to grow? Because first of all, He wants to see His children grow. And secondly, He wants to see His children reproduce. Kids do not have kids. They have to grow up before they are developed enough to where they can have children. And if they don't grow, the family will die. And if, if I don't grow and mature, the kingdom, the, God's family will die. So I have to grow because God's depending on that. He's made it that way. Love, I love this in John 15. Look what Jesus says to His disciples. I chose you and I gave you this work to go and produce fruit Fruit that will last. I thought it was interesting. He says to go and to produce. Circle produce. Produce, which means what? To make something. In other words, produce what? Fruit. Uh, Susan Chapel gave Denise and I an apple tree a few years ago. And we put it in the ground. And it didn't give us any apples for a while. It was too young. But just now it's giving us apples. And we are excited this year. Because it's going to give us a bunch of apples this year. We've trimmed it back. And pruned it. And they, they're sweet and they're good. They're really, really good. And I just noticed that producing fruit, fruit is something that you give. You know what I'm saying? It's not something you keep to yourself. The tree doesn't say, oh no, I'm going to keep this to myself. I mean, there's not apples on that tree right now that are from four years ago or three years ago. No, they, they fall off. It's like the tree says, I'm not supposed to keep this. Are you following me? Okay, and that's and Jesus says, "Man, I chose you to go and and to and to produce fruit, and it'll last, and it's to give away." See, that's the mark of a mature person. Immature people are always about what they're going to get. Mature people are about what they're going to give. My feelings got hurt. That's an immature person speaking. 
I didn't, I didn't, I felt left out. That's an immature person speaking. Now, a mature person goes and produces fruit. He, he grows and he, and it's to give it away. It's, it's generosity is implied here. And see, guys, this church, man, greater up, we need more grown-ups right now. We need more grown-ups around that are going to go, what can I give? What can I give? What can I offer? What can I do? I've loved this in Second Peter. Peter talks about this. He's, after he talks about add to this, your faith, this and this and this, he says, the more you go on this way, the more you add these things in your life, you go on this way, the more you grow steady spiritually and become fruitful and useful to our Lord Jesus Christ. But anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith is blind indeed, or at least very short-sighted, and has forgotten. Forgotten what? When they came? Forgotten when Jesus said, come to me? Yeah, forgotten that God delivered him from the old life of sin so that now he can live. Now he can live a strong, good life for the Lord. Sometimes I wonder, have you forgotten about the come and go? Do I forget sometimes? Because God's called me, He calls me to come to Him, but He calls me to go, and He wants me to go and be fruitful and useful. And here's number four. God wants me to go and tell others the good news. And the good news, what a, the gospel we call it. The good news, some translations say. It's so good, you want others to know about it. Is that right? Yeah, I, it's so good, why wouldn't others, you want others, to, you want others to know, hey, this is some good stuff here. There's an example where Jesus is speaking in Luke 14, and it's like that. He says this man has, uh, has a big banquet, and he invites everybody. It's a, this is a good thing. I mean, oh, I mean, come on. Next week, we're going to have this wing fling. It's going to be a good thing. Okay, right? And if somebody said, hey, I'm buying. <laughs> I'm going. Right? Yeah, and so here's this guy. He's got this great banquet. He says, and when, when it was time to eat, the man sent his servant to tell the guests. He says, he goes, he's sending him, Go. Come, he says, tell him this. Come, everything is ready. But all the guests made excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field. I must, notice where he's going. I must go look at it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five pair of oxen. I must go and try them out. Please excuse me. A third person said, I just got married. I can't come. Well, I thought, you got married and you are dropping a great invitation like that? You're letting a relationship? It's funny how when you get married, it does change a lot of things, doesn't it? So the servant returned and told his master what had happened. Then the master became angry and said, Go at once into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Later the servant said to him, probably one of the best statements in the Bible here, Master, I did what you commanded. Huh? Isn't that a good statement? I did what you said, but there's still room. The master said to the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and urge the people there to come in. I think one translation says, make them come in. 
What's that mean? When I was in first grade, a girl by the name of Meredith Nirenberg, the doctor, the town doctor's daughter, we were walking home from school and back when it was safe to walk when you were five and six years old through your town. And we're walking along and there's the Rainbow Cafe and she grabs a hold of me. Let's go get a soda, Tim. I'll buy. I got money. You know, my dad's a doctor. We have money. I had no money. Said, oh, Meredith, I can't do that. Come on. And she grabs me by the arm right there and drags me into the Rainbow Cafe. And we have uh, a couple of sodas together. That's what this Greek word behind is take hold of them and drag them in, bring them in, urge them, make them come in. So my house will be full. I tell you, none of these whom I invited first will eat with me. And I know this is about the Jews and the Gentiles and the Jews were invited first. and They said no. And God said, well, I'm going to bring in the Gentiles too. But I'll tell you what I noticed about this passage. First of all, this banquet is so good. God wants wants everybody to know they're invited. Listen, church, God wants his house full. He wants heaven full. He wants the kingdom full. He always wants more people. How do I know that? He invites everybody. He invites everybody. Danny was telling me he was over here. They were cleaning upstairs up here somewhere. And he said he noticed some names on some studs where the walls hadn't covered it yet, the, the drywall. And he saw names on it. There are names all over this building. There's names that Coral Wolf has put at the very top of this dome after it, then it was painted. There are names under, there is passages of scripture right here where I stand. It says, preach the word. It says it right here. Cut the carpet out. There it be. All of the studs everywhere. There are names of people that put in there. And, there, and, and then people had the courage to buy seats. Some of them bought whole rows of seats because they had those names. I'm going to have a seat for them. Ulrika, what is that? There's a, I was told, Coral was telling me about a Swedish term. How's it go again? If there's heart room, there's butt room. If there's heart room, there's butt room. If there's room in your heart for somebody, then you better have a chair for them. And you do that for the holidays and stuff. And there's some families, they'll set a plate at a chair in case somebody else is coming. Because there's room at the table. I look at seats that are empty. I got to tell you, man, I look at You look at them. You see them, don't you? I look at these empty seats. And I got to tell you, there was a time where I'd be just discouraged by it. I used to come every week and walk between the rows and touch. Remember that uh, the Giants film and he did the lockers. I did the same. I'd walk through some of you. We did some of this. We did it together. I'd walk through the rows and I'd touch them. By the way, the chair you're sitting in, I've prayed, prayed. For you, because you haven't moved from that chair in so long. Now, there's where Don sits. Oh, God, please help Don. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm not saying I did that. But I would, I would, I would think about you. There are empty seats here where people used to sit. Vernon used to sit right in there where Mike and Kim and Brian used to sit. He's gone. My mom. Not here. She's in Arizona. Uh, there are campus students that used to sit in these chairs. 
no longer here. Some people have gone on to meet the Lord. Some people have gone to another church. Some people have gone nowhere. They just left it all. It's discouraging, right? I want to tell you something. The Lord, Lord spoke to me, man. Slapped me around a little bit. He's saying, Tim, I heard somebody say this. I heard somebody say this, by the way. Our building is too big for us. It's becoming too big for us. And they didn't mean it in a positive way. Can I tell you something? I don't see these empty chairs so discouraging anymore. I see them as there's more room for people. I want these chairs to remind me there's room for someone else. I don't want you to look at those chairs from now on and go, there's room for a person of my family to be in, a friend of mine to be in, to be here. God wants here full. He wants this building full. And when he looks at how empty it is, he's not frustrated. And by the way, did you notice the servant? No frustration. What do you want me to do? I want you to go out there and I want you to invite everybody. Man, we got it all set up. We are going to have a party. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> what happens? He goes out. Uh, there's two people making a lot of excuses. You know, they, what do they say? What is this? They're making excuses. I just bought a field. Like, where's that going to go? It's what will be waiting for you. I just bought a field. I got to go see it. I just bought some some equipment, some oxen, and I got to go try it out. Here's a guy letting a field possessions keep him from saying yes to the greatest invitation he could ever receive. And here's a person that's letting his work, his career, his all you know, his plan, all that stuff get in the way. And then oh, I just got married. I can't come. What? I've seen it a dozen times. People get married and all of a sudden their relationship with God kind of goes screwy. Kind of goes weird. And what's God do? He's angry. Let me ask you a question. What makes us think? What makes a person think this? That they can push God out of their life to do their own thing and then think they're going to go to heaven. Why would you want to go to heaven? If you don't want him here, why would you want to be with him there? I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. They're going to be, listen church, a lot of people are going to be surprised. They're thinking, well, I'll just do my thing and then at the last minute I'll do God's thing and everything will be good. They'll be miserable in heaven because they're not even going to be ready for it. It's a great invitation and people are missing out on it. And God's the one that's bothered. The servant is not. The servant stays focused. I want you to go out again. He goes out again. Bring in the crippled, the blind. Bring in anybody you can find. And he does and he brings them in and he goes, Master, there's still room. Okay, you're going to have to go outside of your area a little bit. You've got to stretch it out a little bit. You've got to think a little bit bigger. And go way out. Well, how far out? far as you can. I want my house full that bad. Church, God wants lots of people in heaven. 
It's so good, He wants others to know about it. And the responsibility you and I have is to simply tell them. It's their responsibility to respond. Yes, not everybody's going to respond to this invitation. But that's on them. Don't let it be they can't respond because they've not been invited by you. And I noticed something else about this, and it's, it's really it's encouraging, is the servant just keeps going. He just keeps going. Now, how do you know if you're a servant? You know you're a servant because you're going. See, when God says go, servants never say no. They just keep going like Abraham, Gideon, Moses. They just keep going. And if you've come to Jesus, you're truly saved, then it's time to go. It's time to go out there and tell other people. Look at it says in Colossians 1. So everywhere we go, we tell everyone about Christ. And he says in, it says it to the Corinthian church, but thanks be to God for through what Christ has done, he has triumphed over us so that now wherever we go, he uses us to tell others about the Lord and to spread the gospel like a sweet perfume. How can I, what, what do I do, Tim? How do I spread? The gospel. How do I tell other people about Christ? Well, maybe it starts with an invitation. It just starts with an invitation. I sold my Christoph sled on Facebook Marketplace. First of all, I couldn't believe how many people looked at it and they bought it. I sold it for $100. Whoa. And this grandmother comes to pick it up. She comes to the shop. Oh, this is beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Did you make that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I'm going, hand it over, ma'am. You know, let's go. And she peels out 520s, hands it to me. And she goes, my grandchildren are going to love this. I go, you got grandchildren? And I back off. She goes, yeah. And I grab a Hot Wheels invitation. And I go, I want to invite you, me, your grandkids to come to this. This is a blast. We're going to have a 50, 60 foot track right down the middle. We've got it all painted up, slicked up. We're going to have trophies. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a great time. Jonathan Chapel's going to have video games over here. 16 kids playing at the same time. We're going to have Lightning McQueen there. And she's like, she's like her brain is all smoke coming out. And we're going to, we're going to have a pit area. We're going to, we're going to have so much fun and it's, it's going to be safe. Your kids will have a great time. She goes, thank you so much. And she takes that invitation and she leaves and it felt so good. It felt like I hadn't done it. I had never invited a stranger in such a long time. Because I hadn't invited a stranger in a long time. It felt awesome. Let me tell you, you and I carry such good news. And it's not a Hot Wheels rally that we're carrying. We're carrying the good news about Jesus Christ. Could change a life. And if I could get a kid here with a Hot Wheels car to bring in some broken, busted marriage or some broken, busted person and we could help them, yee-hoo! Man, that's great to see. And it all happened because a silly piece of paper with a Hot Wheels emblem on it? Anybody can do this. If any idiot can farm, any idiot can invite people. I'm sorry. Too soon. I was a farmer. Okay. Are you saying you're an idiot? Let's not go there. I'm saying is let's use these events. Use these events. We're having this wing thing. And I honestly, I don't know if we're going to have anybody coming to this thing. Are you bringing anybody to this thing? 
Yay! <laughs> it's time, man. We got nothing to be ashamed of anymore. What are you talking about, Tim? I'm talking about we left our life of sin. We got nothing to be ashamed of or afraid of anymore. Let's bring some people to this church. Let's let me, let's, I, I, I tell you, I love it when we get new members and new Christians that go, man, I love the singing and the praying together. And some of us are, I don't like the songs anymore. I don't, I don't like that praying. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? I'm not paying my $200 to be around you anymore. No, let's be excited about this. Invite people to this thing. Bring people. You say, well, I don't have anybody to bring. Can I come? Of course. Help us out. Help others. Sometimes it might mean turning a conversation into a spiritual one. I don't even know how to do that. Then talk about it in your group. Talk to people who can tell you how to turn a conversation. Guys, I was on, I was on my cell phone this morning, early this morning, and I decided to do this. I used Flipboard and I went down it and I counted what the stories were. And I noticed out of 120 of the stories, what they were showing, 80 of them, 83 of them were political. Bernie, Bloomberg, lots of Trump, and, uh, and Biden, Sleepy Joe finally wins the primary. You know, blah, 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 blah. And then I get, and then the rest of us like, uh, you know, some, celebrity doing something or some little quibby weird thing you know about some but most of it was and I, I realized what do I talk about the most politics and there's my little black red letter Jesus Bible going you going to read out of me any my little Bible sitting there going you going to talk to me you going to read out of me any because if you notice in this story, the servant is talking to the master. He's praying about it. And he's getting instruction from the master the entire time. And so what keeps him focused on what matters is the master. Listen, it may be the reason you can't turn a conversation spiritual. I'll admit it to you. There's times I can't turn the conversation spiritual because I don't have much spiritual in me. I've got too much politics in me. Too much business in me. Too much American in me. Another way is work on your story. Think about how can I share what's happened to me? And what scriptures can I begin to gather that I might have handy? And I pray. This is how I can tell. I pray. I talk to God. If I want to tell others, I start by talking to God to help me talk to others. And I pray for success. I pray, God, give me, grant me success to reach this person. Question as we close here. Is anybody going to be in heaven because of you? Is anybody going to be in heaven because of me? Well, I guess that'll be determined by which eyes am I looking through? Which eyes you're willing to look through. Church, as you look at 2020, just ask yourself, you know, here we are we're in March now. You know, where are you planning to go? Where are you going? Where's your faith taking you? What path will your faith direct you to take? I will say this. Some of you, there's some here, you haven't even come to Christ yet. 
So it's no use of going anywhere until you get that dealt with, huh? So why not come to Christ? Make a decision. You're going to commit your life to Christ. Get baptized. And then let Him take you somewhere you probably never even could have dreamed of. And for those of us here, is your faith stuck? You've come to Christ, but things have kind of got stuck. Stuck in the mud here. Why not make a decision? I'm going to get out of this rut. I'm I'm going to have deeper faith. I'm going to start trusting the Lord. I trusted Him when I came to Him. Now I'm going to trust Him to help me go. Who does He want you to go to? Go to Him for help. Go, go help someone. Give them some support. Go find people. Some of you here need to go find people that will give you that kind of support. They will tell you the truth, not just schmooze you. And maybe it's just simply, you know, I, I, I know I need to get out of this immaturity. I've been stuck in perpetual immaturity. I need to grow. I just need to grow. Make that decision. Put that on the card. Let people pray about that today. These seats are going to get filled. Somebody's coming. We better get ready. Let's get ready for that, okay? We're going to pray, give you a chance to fill out those cards, and then uh, we'll sing a song. And after we get done uh, singing that song, we'll take up those cards as a, during our closing song along with uh, our regular weekly contribution. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for um, challenging lesson, Father. You know, Father, I, I love coming to you, but I, boy, this going thing. Huh? I want to go just as enthusiastically, Father. I want to go. Help us go. Help us see this journey that you're taking us on. Help us respond to when you call us to come to you and help us respond when you ask us to go for you. Father, I pray for Great Alton Church. I pray for us, Father, to be a church that that um, is a place where people can can find good, solid friendships. Father, we turn to You to help us be that kind of church. Help us be that kind of person. Help us be the kind of person that gives support and help us find the support that we need right now. Help us grow, Father. Each of us here, help us grow and produce fruit. Help us be mature. Help us not stay in the kiddie land phase of our life, but to grow, get to the good stuff, the best stuff. Father, help us tell the good news in some way this week. Help us share it with an invitation. Share it with a story. Share it through a conversation. Help us pray about it. Help us keep our minds on it. Father, we come. We ask you as you're our master, we come back to you and say, Father, there's room in this place. And we know you're not crazy about that. You want it filled. What do you need us to do? Help us do it. Help us refuse to say no when you say go. And Father, help us go out and find anyone and urge them, help us be like Meredith Nuremberg, drag somebody if we have to just beg them, find a way to get them to come because you know we know you want your house full. And Father, we know not everybody's going to accept this invitation. Not everybody's going to say, sure, sure, sure. In fact, most people are going to say, no, no, no. Let it not discourage us, Father, but move on and find somebody to look for that person. We know there's somebody right now where we work. Somebody in our neighborhood, somebody in our town, somebody at Lowe's right now, somebody at Target right now, they're looking for you. Help us, Father, connect us with them and let us, wherever we go, to talk about you, to talk about your church, to talk about how you've changed our lives. 
We ask you, bless next weekend, Father. This Hot Wheels rally and this wings and things thing, bring guests to this. Help us be on our game. Help us participate and make a difference. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.